0: I've had people say, I had the razor in one hand and the book in the other, and I put down the razor. I mean, there's nothing more powerful to hear than that.
1: Welcome to Monster Complex. I'm Will Christopher, editor of MonsterComplex.com. If you're a monster fan or a monster hunter, then you're in the right place. Monster Complex is devoted to monster fiction in all its forms, from books to movies to TV and other media, from Frankenstein to Godzilla, Buffy to X-Files, Ultraman to Hellboy. Stick around for author interviews, lists, special features, and more. Dr. Lynn S. Zavernis is a clinical psychologist, a university professor, and a passionate fangirl. She fell in love with the television show Supernatural, discovered the wild and wonderful world of fandom, and has never looked back. On the website Fangasm, Professor Zubernis and her colleagues covered the fan phenomena that surrounds the show Supernatural. Lynn has also written several works on the topic, including her latest book, There'll Be Peace When You Are Done, Actors and Fans Celebrate the Legacy of Supernatural. In this interview, Lynn and I talk about how an academic got pulled into the world of Supernatural, what makes this show stand out over so many of its type, and the pros and cons of being an academic who was also a fan. (laughs) Lynn <laughs> Zubernis, um, thank you for talking with me. So you are an academic who has written several books on fandom in general and in particular supernatural TV series. In fact, let's before we forget, let's mention brand new book. There'll be peace when you are done. Actors and fans celebrate the legacy of Supernatural. So let's let's start with how did you first become involved with the series Supernatural?
0: <laughs> so I kind of fell into the show in an unusual way. I had a friend who started watching the show in the very beginning. I think she saw it advertised at Comic-Con and thought, oh, that looks incredible. And she started watching from the pilot. And we had a whole group of friends who were, you know, we identified kind of as fangirls and we would get together every now and then at one of our houses and kind of, you know, indulge in whatever we were fanish about. So this one friend, every time we got together, would bring Supernatural. And actually I was gonna say DVD, but no, that's wrong. It was 2005, she would bring um, videotapes, VHS videotapes of Supernatural, and we would all watch them. And I liked it, but it it didn't really grab me. So that whole first season, I really kind of watched it for her and not, you know, I thought it was good, but I wasn't like, ah, best show ever. And then in the beginning of season two, I still remember this, I was sitting there grading papers. So I had a stack of papers on my lap and a red pen and watching the show kind of like in the background. And then I realized that without even noticing the papers had slid to the floor. The pen was just kind of poised in the air. And I said to my daughter who was also in the room, oh my God, this is an amazing show. And she was like, mom, you've been watching that show for a year. What's the matter with you? But suddenly I saw it with different eyes. I went back and rewatched the whole of season one with this new perspective. And from then on, I was just, I was hooked on the show. I was just head over heels down the rabbit hole.
1: Okay. What specifically then was it that clicked into place for you?
0: I think what it was is at the time when this happened, I was watching a really emotional scene of the brothers sort of leaning against the car and Dean finally opening up to Sam about his feelings, you know, about their father and his death and everything that had happened. And I suddenly saw it as so much more than just a really good monster of the week kind of show. I, you know, I always appreciated it for that. It really, the production values were great. The writing was great. The directing was like a, a little mini horror movie every week. And so I saw that but it had all these other layers that these actors were able to bring to it. And they were going places I didn't expect them to go. So I suddenly, I suddenly saw it very differently. And that was when it just pulled me in.
1: And as you just, you just said, it, on one level, is a Monster of the Week show. And when you say that, there are, of course, lots of shows. And then also lots of just genre shows that uh, people like to various extents. But there's an impact the Supernatural has made that seems unusual. What is it about Supernatural that's different and that makes it, uh, you know, why are you connected to this series instead of the other series?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think part of it is just the overall quality of the show. From the very beginning, the writing has been amazing. They took a lot of the uh, crew from X-Files, so the production and the crew were amazing. The directors... All of that I, I do think is part of it. They cast amazing actors and they've continued to do so for 15 years. So somebody needs to buy the casting agency a big fruit basket because they really have done a great job. But I also think it, it is that mix of things that Supernatural does well that is really hard to find. So it is a great Monster of the Week show. The, you know They used urban legends that had like a kernel of realism from the beginning so that you could follow it looking at those monsters as urban legends and folklore. You could also really look at those monsters as metaphors for, you know, the kind of monsters and demons that humans deal with all the time. So as a psychologist, that kind of layered sort of writing and acting really appealed to me. And then I think, too, the the major themes of the show, the underlying themes are, one— you can get beat down a million times by unbelievable things and you can keep on getting up and always keep fighting. That became like the unofficial mantra of the show. And two, it's got the theme of family. So I think that's part of why it it created a fandom that is such a cohesive community because it overtly has the theme of family, both in the relationship between the brothers and as the show goes on in the idea of kind of, found family and family not by blood
1: and as you're talking about even now you are clearly able to discuss this stuff on an academic level you're coming at it from a a very i don't know a thinkerly way of approaching it but you aren't just an academic who writes about fan culture you're also a fan you are an insider if people come to your website fangasm if they look at your amazon uh, author profile they're going to see pictures of you with the cast with fans So clearly, there's two things going on. You're an academic and you're an insider. You're a fan. Do those two sides of you, do they fight or do they complement each other?
0: Now they get along really well and they mesh really well. But early on, they did not get along well at all. So in the beginning, especially the first couple of books that I wrote, which really were more academic books, it was very hard to kind of straddle that fence because it the two roles seem so different in the beginning, you know, as an academic, and especially I'm trained as a psychologist, I'm not even trained in my PhD is not in media studies or fan studies, it's in psychology. So I'm trained as a clinician and an academic. And so I wanted to keep my researcher hat on and I wanted to have a distance between me and what I was studying. So it took me a while to come to terms with the fact that I felt eventually that I could study it better by being actually immersed in the community myself, more like a, you know, not like an outsider perspective, but sort of owning that insider perspective. It's still uncomfortable sometimes because, you know, if I'm at a convention or something, part of me is there and I maybe I'm doing research and I'm taking notes or I'm doing an interview. And then part of me just kind of wants to sit in the audience and squee over like what's happening on the stage. So but it's it's much better than it used to be, and much more comfortable.
1: The new book is about the end of an era. Uh, at the time that we're recording this, uh, well, the show it was supposed to end this spring, and then the pandemic hit, and the season got split in half. At the time that you were putting the book together, as far as everybody who contributed knew, you were weeks away, months away from the end of the series. How important was it to your contributors? And we're talking about fans. We're also talking about people who worked on the show. How important was it to your contributors to have this forum to express their grief or to bring closure to that experience?
0: I think it was really important, especially the closure part. Um, It isn't so much about them expressing grief, although that is certainly touched on in the chapters, but it's more about celebrating the legacy of the show, which is a way of dealing with the grief and the loss, right? So it's, it's more, having something tangible that everybody can hang on to that helps us to remember in a, in a really physical way, because you can hold it in your hand and read the words, helps us to remember how important this was. So, you know, one of the hardest things about loss is if the thing that you are grieving, that that grief is not validated, you know, if it doesn't feel like you're allowed to be sad about something. It's called disenfranchised grief and it's one of the most painful things for humans. So we wanted this book to be about, this is a loss because this was incredibly special, both to the actors that made the show, the writers and the fans, and that's okay. So if you feel sad, it's okay, but this is also a great thing to remember because we're so blessed to have had it. And yeah, it really was that special. So every single person who wrote a chapter I asked them all. I wanted them to write whatever they wanted to write about the impact the show has had on them. But I also asked each of them specifically to talk about what they think the legacy of the show is. So most of the chapters, both of the actors and the fans, end with kind of a personal view of here's what I see the legacy of the show being. And so it it ends up being a very positive, celebratory book, even though the whole reason for writing it was to cope with the loss of it.
1: One of the Facets of your book that surprised me was um, How How deeply people feel about supernatural? I mean, I knew that there were fans I knew people loved it, but people love lots of shows and lots yeah. of you know series and books and comics and things I didn't until I read your book. I had no idea how much um, these are relationships that you don't hear about a lot from other series. What is it about Supernatural? And it, it, I feel like maybe you did touch on this, but if, you could, if we could explore it a little bit, what is it about Supernatural that pulls these people together in a, in a way unlike other shows, these people who genuinely care about each other and are, are invested in the other people who also love the show?
0: It is extraordinary. I think there's a couple of reasons why it is unique. I mean, I do think that fan communities in general tend to be communities that can grow very cohesive. You know, fans tend to identify as different sort of from the mainstream in some way, which means that the communities that we form as fans are pretty powerful communities. But Supernatural's fandom is absolutely, you know, on the, on the scale, it is all the way at one end of it. In terms of how powerful it is for people. I think one of the reasons is that original message of the show, you know, the Winchester's mantra from the very beginning was saving people and hunting things. It wasn't just hunting things, that it's literally right there in what Kripke wrote. And fans have kind of taken that mantra from the very beginning to mean that part of part of our job as humans is to take care of each other. So it's always been a fandom that has been extremely charitable, involved in all kinds of ways of trying to change the world and make the world better. And that in turn has made the fandom more cohesive because there's nothing that brings people together in a more positive way than trying to help other people. So that's, that's one thing. The second really big thing though is what has enhanced the relationship between the fans in the community is the fact that the actors are also part of that community. So the term SPN family, which is what we all call ourselves came from the actors, not from the fans. And that's kind of an unusual thing. I don't know. I didn't know Jared and Jensen. Um, I didn't get to know them until season three. So I don't know who they were in season one and two. I met them. So from a fan perspective, they seemed like great guys, but who the hell knows? So I don't know if in the beginning they held stereotypes about fans or they were unsure about interacting with fans. Who knows? But what I do know is because of the way Supernatural developed a fandom quickly and started to have conventions the actors, if they did have negative stereotypes, they couldn't sustain them. Because what we know about stereotypes is once you start interacting face to face with someone, you can't sustain a stereotype about them. So, you know, in the in the height of the conventions, and there's still many, 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 many a year, they were seeing fans every other weekend, like they knew their fans personally. So they really dropped any pretense of, oh, fans, like, what's that about? And just started seeing them as humans. And that reciprocity just made the whole SPN family with it, in all its facets even more cohesive. There's never been a show that has had the number of conventions that Supernatural has had. It is completely unique, and it changed the way the actors and the fans related in just a staggering way.
1: Because, yeah, when you look at the history of television and uh, really any television, much less genre television, the only compare like as I was reading your book, the only comparison I could even come close to thinking of was Star Trek. And not even Star Trek now, but Star Trek back when, You know, if you look at the history of television, I don't know how many listeners or viewers know this history these days. The show was canceled and there was a writing campaign and there were conventions for this show that had been canceled. And that, that was unheard of. And I feel like looking at the gap between when that happened in the, you know, early 70s, late 60s, and today, there really aren't any other examples that come close. I I mean, so really, and supernatural, it sounds like you're saying, is even more so, somehow.
0: Way more. Way more. Yeah, I mean... Star Trek conventions have certainly, they, they continue also, so they've certainly been going for longer, but there was never a time when there were, I think, I think the highest number of conventions devoted just to Supernatural, not Comic-Cons and Wizard Worlds, just Supernatural. I think the highest number was like 21 in a year or something, all over the world. Star Trek, I don't think, has ever had more than a handful per year. So even though it's gone on for longer, it wasn't that kind of immediate. Like, oh, it's you know, it's the odd-numbered weekend, going to see the fans and spend a weekend with them again. It, it, there's never been anything like it. It really, truly is unprecedented.
1: And I, and I guess to even reinforce the point, if if Star Trek has reached that number, it would be after there were multiple spinoffs, decades of a giant company investing in the brand. Yeah. Supernatural is a show that had yeah. 21 conventions.
0: Yeah, over 13 years. So not over multiple. I mean, 13 years is still a long time, but it's not like over four decades. So right. it, they they were they were compressed and they were frequent, which made a difference.
1: As we mentioned earlier, um, the the final season got it got paused because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and with this pause you know you were you were leading up to you were you know weeks away from the end of the show and you've been going through this process of dealing with this the end of the season and now this has happened does this pause make it easier for you as a fan or does it make it harder for you as a fan
0: you know the hardest thing about it is that it's made it easier for some fans and harder for some fans it really is it really is a mix and for me it's made it a little bit of both i mean we for me personally we me the actors the fans the publisher everybody who put this book together did it in the most ridiculous time frame you could ever imagine like we this is must be the fastest that a book like this has ever been put together because we really felt like fans would need it and benefit from it when the show ended so we were like it's got to come out in May. The show ends in May. We have to get it done by May. And that that had ramifications. There were people who didn't get to write a chapter because they couldn't pull it together in that amount of time. Misha Collins only got to write something very short because he was in the middle of his cookbook tour. So if I'd known that we were going to have plenty more time, that would have been really nice. So for me, there's there's a, a sort of a personal part of this that, That is difficult. On the other hand, I'm kind of happy the book is coming out now because people do need it because they are in this kind of weird limbo where we know the show is ending, we know it's mostly filmed, and yet we don't know when we're going to see it. So I guess sort of unpredictably, it turned out to be a time when people are actually needing this book even more than ever. So now they will have it well before they see those last episodes. But, you know, some people were relieved and looked at it as, well, we get more supernatural. It's not actually ending. And other people were like, I'm ready for this. I'm geared up for this. I had already planned to go to Lawrence, Kansas for a viewing party at a theater that was rented out. You know, that's where the the boys in the show were born. So, you know, there were all these things planned that maybe are going to happen later, maybe aren't going to happen. So it is very disruptive. And I think for the actors too it's a mix because they were completely geared up for the end. They had started filming that second to last episode and they were all very emotional and really struggling with the emotions of saying goodbye to it. Now they've had that sort of cut off and they're going to have to go back to it for this short amount of time, it's going to be very different. They're they're likely not to have exactly the same crew that they've had because it's going to be a long time down the road, so yeah it's it's really complicated and and supernatural loves to be unprecedented so once again, this is a pretty unprecedented thing
1: as you talked about earlier, uh, you know lots of conventions the fans connect they meet uh, you just said there were there were parties that were planned around the finale so how are fans coping with this pause because I assume that now they have to reschedule all these parties and events
0: yeah I mean I think the not knowing when anything is going to happen is almost precluding planning. You know, nobody can even reschedule things because we really don't know when it's going to be possible to do things. So people really truly are in limbo. And it's been particularly hard. I think, you know, we're all having trouble with every, all the ways that the world has changed and a lot of the support systems that we depend on, we don't have. A lot of us are, you know, quarantined with just a couple of close family members or maybe by yourself and not able to do the things that you did before. Maybe you don't can't work the same job. That's all hard in the first place. But then to also not have a show that is – it's a real positive and a healthy kind of coping strategy for a lot of people, that's even harder. Um, so people really do feel like they're in limbo. It was very nice the past couple of days, Entertainment Weekly – decided to run their kind of goodbye special to Supernatural now, which was when they were originally planning to run it, instead of holding it. And I think much like There'll Be Peace When You Are Done, it was so needed. So the community, the fandom just came together over this wonderful issue with this great behind-the-scenes video and these beautiful photos and a lovely article. And that felt so good to fans because it was something that they could sort of hang on to and they could get back to a little bit of the process of both grieving and celebrating, which also has kind of been put on hold. And I hope There'll Be Peace When You Are Done is going to allow people to do that too.
1: As an academic who writes in this niche, but your core subject is going away uh, at some point, does your website Fangasm now turn its attention to something else? Or what is your plan for posts, your academic career post, I mean, I, I, okay. Writing about genres, talking about genres post supernatural.
0: I don't, I don't know. I really don't know because I mean, I, my several of the books that I've written are on fandom. So I study fandom and the psychology of being a fan, which is a broader topic than supernatural. But because supernatural is the thing that I am a passionate fan of, a lot of my research has used supernatural and supernatural fandom as a lens to study fandom. So for me, it will be really different. You know, six of five of the books that I've published have really revolved around supernatural and fandom. Um, I think that the website will retain its focus on the show in some way, but it'll probably expand also to be a little more about fandom in general. When I, when I started it, I started it with the, my colleague that I wrote the first couple of books with, Kathy Larson. And we did envision it as a broader sort of website to be more about fan studies and fan culture, not just about Supernatural. Then we just really got sucked into Supernatural and, and that kind of took over and that's what it became. So I think it will be broader, but I also think the fandom is not going anywhere Is it going to be different? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be different. But that community is still going to exist. So I'm hoping that the website and the blog are a a kind of a space for the SPN family to still come together with other members of the SPN family. So I'd like to keep it having that focus for a while.
1: What do you consider the best things that readers can do to support their favorite authors?
0: I think just engaging with the books that we put out there. I mean, the best thing in the world for me, the thing I like to see more than anything, is when somebody reads one of my books, especially, well, not especially, any of my books, um, but recently it's mostly been around Family Don't With Blood, which was also written with the actors. That book was written the actors were unbelievably candid in talking about their own struggles, like depression and anxiety and things that they had really dealt with. And the reason I wanted to do that book with the actors was because I thought it would be so much more inspiring than if I just wrote another book. Like to hear that you are somebody that you admire and who inspires you and who plays one of your favorite characters on television has been through some of the same stuff you've been through and has come out on the other side, That's the most inspiring thing ever. So when somebody tells me they've read Family Don't End With Blood and that it made a difference to them, and then they say that they have shared it with someone else to make a difference, kind of passed it on to other people, that's the most important thing to me. I think as a psychologist, I never really get out of the headspace of the reason I write books is to help people. All of my books were written with that in mind. So when somebody tells me that one of my books has helped them, that is the best thing ever. I never get tired of hearing that. And I hope this new one will really do the same.
1: So we mentioned Fangasm. Is that the best way for people to connect with you online?
0: They can connect with me there on the blog. It's FangasmTheBook.com. But they can also find me on pretty much every social media platform as FangasmSPN. And I love hearing from people. So... Please, if you read any of my books and they have an impact on you, there's an email on the blog that you can use to get in touch with me. You can contact me on Twitter. I'm pretty good about responding on Facebook, on Instagram. I love hearing from people who've read the books. And I try to, because the actors are kind of too overwhelmed with social media to, to respond to everyone, I like to pass messages along to the actors too. So if somebody writes to me and tells me that Jared Padalecki's chapter like really made a difference to them. And, you know, I've had people say, I had the razor in one hand and the book in the other, and I put down the razor. I mean, there's nothing more powerful to hear than that. So I try to pass those things on to the actors too, if it's about some of their chapters.
1: Lynn S. Zuburnis, PhD, author of There'll Be Peace When You Are Done, Actors and Fans Celebrate the Legacy of Supernatural. Thank you very much for speaking with me.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. It's never a hardship for me to talk about Supernatural, so thank you for the opportunity.
1: Thanks for joining me for this episode of Monster Complex. Become a Monster Complex member. Find out how to join our family at patreon.com slash monstercomplex. Subscribe to our free online magazine at monstercomplex.com. I'm Will Christopher. We'll see you again for the next episode of Monster Complex.